Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rookies Podcast. My name is Ryan Lewis, and with me is my co-host, Elise Tamel. On today's episode, we'll be taking over the hosting duties for Olivia to discuss a very exciting topic, the world of esports, with our guests, Ben Bramley and Lucas Bruto. Let's start off by introducing our guest. Ben is a former intern with Cosmos Sports and Entertainment and is currently working as an enrollment service representative for Durham College. He also has quite a bit of experience in playing and participating in collegiate esports, so we are excited to have him on the podcast to provide some of his expertise on the industry. Joining him is Lucas, who is currently interning with Cosmos as an account executive alongside Elise and myself. And he too has some experience when it comes to gaming and the esports world, so it should be excited to get his sort of thoughts on that on that side of things. Um, so welcome Ben and Lucas to the Rookies Podcast. Thank you for taking the dime, time to join us today uh, to talk about esports. Um, and I just want to start off to get a bit to know about your guys' background. So if you can do a quick introduction for yourselves, I'd be much appreciated. Sure, um, I can do a quick background first. Uh, so I first started getting involved kind of in the esports industry uh, when I was in university uh, at Laurentian University. So uh, I started a esports club at the school there and kind of got the first competitive teams at the school off the ground, um, as well as, you know, helping to create more community initiatives and getting more interest in esports at Laurentian in general. Um, this also kind of got me involved uh, with some of the leagues that were starting up across North America for different collegiate um, games. So I was involved in helping to run some different leagues in Rocket League. Uh, League of Legends and a few other games as well. Um, once I graduated, uh, I graduated with a sports business degree. So I was kind of looking all around the sports world, but ended up getting a really awesome opportunity to help run the Durham College Esports Arena when that opened up in 2019. Um, so I've been at Durham College ever since then, uh, still working on different collegiate leagues on the side. Currently, I'm also helping to run at the Ontario post-secondary esports leagues, which are officially run with athletic departments across Ontario. So that's a lot of fun as well. And like you mentioned in the intro, currently full-time at Durham working in the enrollment service department as well. Yeah, that's that's great to hear, Ben. Um, as someone that's a personal fan of esports and, and Rocket League in itself, it's good to hear that you're sort of bringing that awareness uh, when it comes to that industry and that, and that sector of esports. Um, Lucas, can you give a brief introduction as well? Yeah, for sure. Appreciate that background there, Ben. That's definitely interesting. Um, my background mainly comes from working in IT. Um, I graduated from university in 2018. So fresh out of school, I moved into the IT industry. Um, and then from there, just with the pandemic and everything going on, how unstable everything became, I kind of shifted in towards sports. So I went back to school and I'm currently enrolled at Humber College, just doing a, a sports business certificate there. Um, with that being said, similar to Ben, I got involved in esports just under my own volition and uh, just something that I took interest in. And I started up uh, a YouTube channel that uh, features flights, Microsoft Flight Simulator. So I spend a lot of my time these days doing uh, flights and videos and just working on that outside of work. So that's where my background lays mostly, but uh, I'm into the whole esports industry as a whole. Um, I grew up gaming. It's kind of like one of my passions. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. 
so from that, um, so what would you guys say is that that one game that sort of got you into the esports world or, or the competitive gaming gaming scene? Uh, I'd say for me, it would be uh, Rocket League. Um, it's kind of the first game I played that like clicked with me in terms of like actually being somewhat decent at. Um, but it's also just like I feel like of all the esports titles that are popular right now, it's kind of that one game that bridges the gap between traditional sports and esports really well. Um, obviously it's still pretty fantastical with, you know, rocket powered cars and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you are basically playing soccer with them. So there's still goals, saves, assists. It still connects back to traditional sports really well. So I think it works really well as an esport title. And Lucas. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm going to kind of go to a throwback here and say like gears of war, maybe, um, just with that first franchise, they kind of like innovated with uh, the King of the Hill format. So uh, they're kind of like Fortnite before Fortnite became cool, which is it's, it's kind of cool to see just that evolution, how things have grown from there. But yeah, definitely Gears of War. It got me into like gaming just in the early days with friends online. Sort of to give my perspective on this, um, for me, especially since I, I sort of I've loved soccer my entire life. It's what got me into sports in this industry. Um, I'd say FIFA originally was my my sort of OG love for for the esports and like competitive scene um it was fairly new when they started transitioning to a competitive nature regarding like fifa competitions but i'd say fifa and then slowly moving into the 2017s 2018s um i got pretty big into fortnite and rocket league as ben said um i kept up to date with all the twitch streams and youtube streams that sort of came out regarding those and all the influencers that sort of started getting huge with that um especially after the the big world cup that Fortnite hosted, um, I just, it, it, it was amazing to see. So yeah, that was just uh, my side of that. Sounds great. Thanks for sharing those. Those were very fun to listen to. Um, so my question is, being that esports is one of the fastest growing industries globally um, and in Canada, can you tell us about your thoughts on the past of esports and kind of how the industry got to where it is right now? Um, ben, if we can start with with your opinion on this one? Sure. I mean, I think like video games have been around in some form or another for a long time. And I feel like people have taken them seriously or played them competitively for, you know, since as long as games have been coming out, like I feel like people played Pong their hardest as well when that was the first game around really. But I feel like the, the growth of esports has really been just the ability to kind of broadcast that worldwide. And then also, um, people taking it more seriously as a career option you know if the most seriously you could play pong was going to your friend's house and beating them at it there's not much of a you know career you can make out of that but now as advertisers are getting on board you know um, broadcasting companies are getting on board and these events and competitions are starting to make a lot more money then it's more realistic for the players to you know focus on a game and spend their whole life playing it and you know make a career out of it how about you lucas uh, similar to Ben, um, just in that, like, in the past, I don't think uh, esports was treated that seriously as a legitimate career option. Um, but with the pandemic now, I, I think it's starting to change that attitude um, in that people are, are actually pursuing this as a, as a career option. Um, and as Ben points out, it's just a great opportunity for advertisers and marketers to get involved in this space just because of the global audience that we can reach through esports. 
versus with like individual sports you have like your particular market whereas esports it's a global industry so um it becoming more legitimized is definitely something that uh it's exciting to see and um i think the fact that it's it's being taught in schools nowadays is it's just a sign enough to show you that this industry is here and it's here to stay i, I completely agree with you lucas and ben um it just to sort of give my perspective i feel like with this new wave of sort of technological advancement and reliance um, i feel like once we hit the the mid 2010s um sort of esports just boomed and, and so did the the legitimacy of of competitive gaming i feel like as we sort of get used to these these big technologies these pcs these game consoles our smartphones even because mobile gaming is huge as well it's definitely a competitor um we it's 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 a it's a force to be reckoned with it's it's definitely a sport that that can can have its own sort of level at the top so um and then from that uh just sort of to move on to the next question um how do you guys think esports uh can sort of differentiate itself from the conventional sports whether that be and through nba or the nhl nfl that's sort of the big players um and and in that way how do you see it as big in canada compared to other countries i think kind of the biggest difference between the two is the lack of need for that like physical space when it comes to esports. Um, it's something that's kind of been like getting closer and closer up until the pandemic hit. I think like live events were starting to become a lot bigger in esports, but it's just kind of gone to show that it's not as big of a necessity as we've seen. I mean, most professional sports um, shut down for a pretty big period of time and collegiate sports as well. I mean, I know at Durham, our varsity sports teams are the only varsity teams playing right now. So um, I feel like that lack of need for the physical space is really one of the biggest difference and the biggest, you know, upsides for esports. Um, but the other thing for me, um, at least from a collegiate sense, is that, you know, there's not really as much need for physical development as there is in traditional sports where, you know, as you're coming up through high school and if you're like a high school baseball player, you can't just walk out onto an MLB field and hit a 99 mile an hour fastball, right? Like you need to get that development. You need to go through college, go through university, you know, go through the minor league system and get to the point where you're good enough to play in the majors where, I mean, in esports, you're seeing pro Fortnite players who are 15, 16 years old. So um, it's definitely a really interesting thing that I think will be big over the next couple of years is kind of figuring out that development pipeline for esports. Cause realistically varsity, like, college sports have always been like kind of a development path where in esports if you're really good and you're 15 years old you can kind of skip that and go straight to being a pro so yeah i have similar thoughts to ben there um i think the biggest differentiation point is just the ease of access that esports offers people um obviously pricing of like computer parts and consoles can be uh get in the way of that but um, as we progress, like the price of these consoles will come down. Um, same with PC parts, the market can't stay this way forever. So uh, I think the ease of access of just the, the amount of people that can get involved with esports is huge. And as Ben points out, um, we have 15, 16 year olds who are, are dominating these tournaments and actually like making like a lot of like money off of, uh, of Fortnite and other bigger uh, titles there. So. Um, that, that's something that it, it, you just wouldn't see in any other sport. Um, and I think that's the biggest like differentiator in that you can have such like a young professional in the esports world versus 
any other sport really. Yeah, no, you, I think you guys nailed it on the head there. Um, I think the biggest thing, especially that di when it comes to differentiating yourself from the, the, the standard sports that we all know and love, I think it comes, to, it comes down to the inclusivity of it. Um, everyone can be part of esports. Everyone can be part of sort of the collective gaming circle. Uh, there's no restriction. There's no, there's no maybe physical restriction. Whereas maybe in the NBA, you might need a certain height to be in a certain position. Whereas if you're playing in, in, in an esports team, it, it just comes down to tr constant training and skill and, and making sure that as long as you're up to the grind, you, you'll get there. You'll get to there at one point. Um, and sort of that kind of with what you guys said about sort of the young sort of Fortnite um, esport athletes getting involved into this sort of influence of that game and that game's competitive scene, um, that sort of leads my question to Ben. Um, so I know you have uh, been part of like the collegiate side to, to esports. Um, and so I just want to know if you could tell us about your experience as an esports collegiate athlete. Yeah, sure. So um, when I was at Laurentian for a few years, I was competing and uh, Rocket League and on their uh, Counter-Strike team as well. So it was pretty cool. Um, it's kind of, there's a couple different like experiences depending on what, uh, like how involved your school is in esports. Like I mentioned in my intro, we kind of just started up a, you know, student club from nothing and we're kind of very self-run by students, um, you know, running our own events, putting our own teams forward into these collegiate competitions. So. Um, it was much more involved in terms of setting things up ourselves and running it. Um, but it was still, you know, an awesome opportunity to get to compete for our school and, you know, feel a little bit of that like school pride that, you know, the varsity basketball team might get for winning a championship or something like that. Every time, you know, you could walk into class the next day and say, hey, we just kicked uh, Ohio State's butt in Rocket League. Like no other Laurentian sports team can say they could ever beat. Ohio State and anything so <laughs> it's a pretty pretty good feeling but then I mean as it's starting to grow even bigger I mean we're getting more and more varsity programs as well so now like I'm coaching at uh, Durham College all of our players you know get jerseys and uh, official varsity gear and stuff like that uh, you know they're walking around school with their like official Durham varsity like gym bags and stuff like that they get access to like the special varsity gym um, they can skip classes for their like games if they have games going on during the day, stuff like that. So they get treated pretty well. So, I mean, for them, you know, a lot of them thinking maybe they would never get that varsity experience They're They're pretty happy with it too. That, that's great to hear that they're sort of recognizing finally these, these esports athletes, because, uh, they, they, and especially on a collegiate level, the competition's there, the entertainment's there, the fan engagement's there. So, uh, it's great to hear that even with Rocket League, um, especially with like the RCLS and, or, or sorry, sorry, RLCS, sorry, um, word uh, sort of mixed up there. Um, how, how sort of competitive that is, um, sort of transferring that to the collegiate level is just, it's interesting to me and it's great to hear. Um, and from that, so um, in the heat of a moment uh, when it came to esports, what, what was the competitive nature like uh, when it came to you and your fellow teammates? On the team i'd say like it's pretty similar to like traditional sports it gets really competitive and especially in a collegiate sense i think like we have a lot of those same rivalries you get in traditional sports i know uh at durham any chance we get to play like ontario tech which is the school that or the university that's like kind of connected to us anytime we get to play them it's like all out like we we cannot lose to ontario tech same with uh, st Clair. we have a pretty good rivalry with their 
esports program over there. So I think it definitely gets super competitive. And um, I mean, everyone wants to win. They get that same school pride feeling and, you know, don't want to let the school down for sure. Was there ever a, a time or situation where um, your competition was sort of in like a land setting, whereas you're sort of face to face with the, the other esport athletes from the collegiate level? Yeah. Um, when we opened the esports arena at Durham, we actually hosted a uh, Rocket League LAN event there in the first summer in 2019. Um, so it was all the Ontario colleges and universities uh, came to Durham and competed in our arena. So we have 46 computers there. So uh, it was a super fun event. We got all the teams, you know, sat down in the arena facing against each other, you know, competing. And there's some smack talking going across the rows of computers and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, we had the big projector at the front and, uh, you know, lots of fans, families and stuff watching. Uh, it was a really cool experience. So, yeah, I'm definitely very excited to get back to that hopefully sooner than later. Well, that's great to hear, Ben. Um, being that they're taking it professional uh, when it comes to the competition side of it, how do you see um, sort of esports competition in the collegiate level advancing in Canada uh, and even in North America, if you could answer on that? Yeah, I think across North America, it's definitely starting to become more common to have like varsity and school supported um, esports programs. It's definitely a little bit slower in Canada. I think they're a bit more behind the ball, taking a little bit longer to. Uh, to address to that just because, I mean, we don't have the billions of dollars that American varsity programs can just dump into whatever they want to, you know, so definitely taking a little bit longer for them to like get over that hump and decide it's smart to invest in esports, but it's definitely starting. And um, the league I mentioned, uh, OPSE, um, that we're running, we're, it's kind of like a first step to get more schools in Ontario on board with esports. We're, we're working directly with uh, like varsity and administrations in Ontario to uh, support their team. So it's all officially supported, but it's kind of at the smallest level. So we're just trying to make those connections between, uh, you know, the student clubs, like I started at Laurentian and then the actual athletic departments as well. So they can get talking and try to start something between them as well. It's good to hear that, that you're sort of taking that initiative to sort of make sure we can get this uh, growing as the years go on. Um, and as esports is taken sort of on that sort of high level as like the other players in the industry. Um, Lucas, do you have any sort of uh, insights on maybe uh, talking about how the collegiate level may look in a few years uh, regarding esports competition? Yeah, it's honestly um, just from like being in a program right now and seeing what professors are saying now. Um, I, I feel like really strongly like that that's an area of like strong growth that they can pursue. Um, and I think within the, the next like five years that uh, we're going to start to see more and more programs of these post-secondary institutions offering esports tailored programs. I know in my current program, they, it's kind of like a subject they just gloss over really quickly, but um, all the professors are definitely interested in that topic. And um, their viewpoint is that it's a growing area and it's, it's something that they're going to have to start teaching eventually. So, no, I definitely agree with you when it comes to the, the sort of lecture and course side of things when it comes to sport management and sport administration, because um, with me at Brock University, I know a lot of profs do sort of glaze over the, the fact that esports is involved in, in as a big player now uh, in, in our the 2020s now. So it's very interesting that they're, they are sort of kind of recognizing it 
and they are sort of mentioning that it is a growing market in this industry, um, not sort of leaving it aside and letting it sort of just be left like a, like a, a curriculum or like a, a, a chapter of a textbook type of thing. When I was in school, we, like it was just starting to kind of become a thing, but yeah, no one, no one was really taking it seriously in terms of my uh, sport management program, but it'd definitely be interesting to, uh, to see if that's changed at all. I'm sure it will. But. All right, so let's talk about um, the impact of the pandemic, the financial impact in, in the gaming industry. Uh, so we've seen that the revenues for many gaming companies have increased during COVID. Uh, in your opinion, how is the pandemic affecting the revenue growth and opportunity within the industry? I mean, it's definitely had its ups and downs. I think you're right in terms of general like game publishers and developers. I mean, everyone's stuck at home. It's pretty hard to stay away from video games at this point. I mean, everyone's been buying games and playing games way more than they would have uh, pre-pandemic. But I think in terms of esports specifically, um, it's a little, a little less positive. It's still like not, I wouldn't say it's a negative, but um, you know, the industry has been going a lot more towards those live events and be, like creating those huge productions like akin to professional sports. So obviously that's taken a bit of a hit, but in general, yeah, the gaming industry, I think, has definitely boomed quite a bit. Yeah, I actually have like really similar thoughts to Ben on that in that um, like if you're a developer of games, like you guys are doing really well, um, just that people need games to play. So that area has seen tremendous growth over the past year, I'd say. But as Ben says, the live event sector, it's just been completely wiped out. And um, I know like I'm not as, as involved in that space, but just from seeing stuff online, it seemed like they were gearing up to have that become like a, a main way to like make money. So um, I'm just, uh, it's a little bit sad to like see like no live events being a thing, but it's just the world we live in right now. And I know that the gaming world and esports are just yearning to get back to that kind of format. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there are still like most of the professional esport leagues are still running online, but yeah, it's definitely a lot harder to find, you know, revenue opportunities in terms of sponsorships and stuff like that, because a lot more companies are willing to come out and like, you know, find a way to work a sponsorship at a big live event, but getting back to just being online, just having, you know, a live stream or something like that um, definitely cuts off some of those opportunities. Uh, so Ben, you were saying the gaming industry moving uh, more towards live events. This was before the pandemic. Uh, so what are some of the new trends now with the pandemic in the gaming industry? Well, I think everything going more digital has definitely, you know, increased even more. It's kind of been going that way over the last 10 years or so, but you know, pretty much no one's buying games from discs anymore. They're downloading stuff from the online stores using stuff like Steam um, to get all of their games. And, you know, that's another way that, you know, developers are making even more money off their games too, is now they don't even need to make a disc. They just upload their game online and, you know, sell it. And that's about it. Um, but I think uh, finding, you know, new ways to get people into different games, stuff like subscription passes, like uh, EA Play is a really good one. Electronic Arts has like a subscription pass basically that you pay every month and you can play any of their games. So it's a good way to get people to try different games and not just, you know, stick to the one or two games that they're, you know, interested at any given time. Um, so I think just finding new ways to get people to play your different games and to, to stick or to get people sticking to the games they are playing as well, to keep playing them and keep spending more money on them. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, an emerging trend there with the pay to play kind of strategy where you just pay it within the app. Um, and it, it's honestly just worked great for those companies. Um, and I, I think you're right with that. It's just going to continue to evolve and into that even more. Um, one area that I'm like really interested in and seeing grow is uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. It's with the, the progression of like technology, it's, it's getting uh, to a point where VR and AR is, is going to become like a, a norm, hopefully, uh, in that we have more people entering that space. So uh, it, it, the future is hard to predict, but it's definitely an exciting one that we got ahead of us in, in the esports world. And just to sort of add on to what you guys said, um, I definitely agree, especially with what Ben said regarding the, the Game Pass sort of sector and how it's, it's so easily sort of um, it's easily sort of just used by uh, the, the community. I mean, now or before, uh, you had to sort of drop like 70 to $80 on a game, whereas now you could just pay a, a minor fee for a subscription monthly or, or do a yearly subscription, whereas you could get a bunch of selections of free games that are part of the esports industry. Um, I even know that with games like Fortnite, uh, where they, they it's int introduction to the sort of gaming world is it being free, um, being available for everyone, uh, just allows it to be uh, that much more sort of inclusive for everybody in this uh, sector. So I think uh, in regards to revenue, it, it's, it, it, that's how they're bringing in all those sort of big populations when it comes to uh, their, their concurrent gaming uh, players monthly. Uh, so my next question is uh, about the opportunities and challenges that comes with pandemic for esports. Uh, ben and Lucas, you both kind of touch upon that. Ben, was, uh, you were saying challenges with the sponsorship and not being able to uh, have live gaming and stuff like that. But to summarize, uh, what would you do? Would you like to add anything else to the opportunities and challenges that's uh, with presented with the pandemic for esports? Yeah, I'd say the biggest opportunity really is to put esports on even more of a global um, stage, you know, maybe no live events, but just the fact that, you know, esports were pretty much able to pick up and continue playing from home, from online, from, you know, virtual studios and stuff like that. Um, just to be able to continue operating like normal is kind of a big wake up call to um, people who are into more traditional sports that this is something that is kind of able to continue going on no matter what's happening in the world really. So as long as there's internet, you can play and compete in esports. So I think it is a really big opportunity for esports to show that to the world and to um, have even more of a following as we get back into you know live events and stuff like that in the next couple of years. Yeah, Ben definitely hits the nail on the head there. Um, just in that since esports can continue and, and has been continuing, it's, it's the perfect moment for them to just grow that industry even further and um, gain access to exposing to a global audience versus just staying within our regional markets. So uh, I think you definitely hit that one on the head. Um, and it's something that they got to take advantage of while this opportunity exists. Sort of to segue from what you guys said there, being that most of these events uh, and sort of mega scale competitions got canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, what are your guys' thoughts on on building, still building fan engagement on the same level, um, but in a virtual world? So in a world where we're all sort of at home, online, um, and wanting to sort of still experience the same type of uh, in-event experience that the esports events do provide. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely been a challenge because people have been focusing so hard on, you know, making those live events next level over the last five years or so. But um, I think a lot of tournament organizers have done a great job still um, involving fans through like Twitch streams and stuff like that, um, whether it be, uh, you know, things in the break that uh, allow the audience to interact. I know I was watching uh, CRL, which is like the collegiate rocket league um, competition that they put on. Um, in the breaks, they have a camera set or like a camera set up in, uh, in their production room. And basically you can use like Twitch chat to command and move the camera around. So you can like look around the room and like zoom in on people's computer screens or like desks and stuff like that. Like it's, it's super silly, but just like, I've seen a lot of fun things like that, that have just gotten people more involved. And then, um, just finding ways to do that and work with, you know, advertisers and sponsors as well to, uh, to create unique opportunities that, you know, you can do because you're online that, you know, most traditional sports can't do with no one in the stands. Yeah, as Ben says, it's it's hard to compare the online world to the in-person events world. So um, it, it's tough to make up that gap, but one way in which I think they can do it is just offering like more online contests and doing giveaways with fans. Um, especially like with the current market, like if you're a parts manufacturer, I, I don't think now it would be a better time than ever to start giving out parts to some fans maybe and, and getting them loyal to, to your brand. Um, and I, I feel like it's definitely a, an area for growth and um, it, it's a little tricky to navigate though, just not being live events in that those live events were just starting to to kind of pick up steam and take off. And it sucks that COVID kind of just slowed all that momentum. But um, as Ben says, there's there's interesting ways and, and creative ways that they're coming up with to try and keep people engaged at home. So um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a, a cool area. Just sort of to give my perspective on this, I feel like when it comes to the live events, um, streaming is the major player when it comes to virtual attendance. Um, I've seen uh, some events, some Dota 2 events, League of Legends events, where on Twitch, they're, they're pushing 100 to 150,000 people concurrently watching. So um, just being able to see that and see that the fan live engagement is still there um, definitely tags onto what you said, Lucas, regarding the uh, marketing approach that it can come from it, where someone may see that it's bringing these numbers and maybe ask or, or, or sort of get into the loop with that uh, esports athlete or influencer to see if they could use their brand or, or use their items that they offer them. So um, there's definitely like many ways to sort of keep that level. And I think you guys really touched up on that really well. So going off on that, uh, the new ways to improve fan engagement. Are these um, new sort of methods here to stay in the gaming industry? Um, what is COVID's impact in the long term? I, say, I feel like um, a lot of the things that have been kind of improved over the last year or so will um, continue to be useful even when things return to live events. Um, I don't know how much of a focus will be on them when they have those opportunities to, to be in person and to host you know, massive tournaments and uh, competitions in person. But I think in general, just like the quality of esports broadcasts have gone up quite a lot over the last year as you know, they haven't really had much else to focus on, but that online broadcast. So, I mean, I've seen improvements even just in like the watchability of games uh, like League or Overwatch with their abilities to, you know, have replays when something big happens, um, working on their camera work and, you know, making it a better experience to watch from home. I think 
in general, those are things that will stay and will, you know, continue to make a difference over the next couple of years. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And just to add on to that, on the consumer side of things, um, like the pandemic forced everyone to become more digitally literate. And I think that's a very good thing for the esports industry as a whole. Um, just that we have more people comfortable on these platforms. And uh, it, it just gives a strong suggestion that this area is going to continue to grow um, and outpace some other sports potentially. No, I definitely agree, uh, Lucas and Ben. And sort of segueing from the topic of the pandemic, um, would you guys say that the esports industry as a whole kind of benefited from the restrictions that were caused by the pandemic? Um, I feel like there's ups and downs. I mean, we kind of just mentioned some of the ups. I mean, with the, you kind of nailed it, Lucas, with like people being more, have like forced to go online and use their computers and get better with them, I think is only a benefit for esports as well. Um, I think in general gaming has, we talked about it earlier with, you know, how much sales have grown and stuff like that because of everyone being home. Um, esports as a whole, I think, you know, the pandemic kind of crushed, you know, the momentum that was building towards those live events we talked about. And I mean, I know, I think yesterday Blizzard even announced they were laying off like 50 to 100 people from their, uh, their like live events and esports teams. So um, there's definitely some downsides uh, from the pandemic but i think as things start to improve and get better over the next couple of years it'll it'll pick up that momentum where it left off for sure uh so how will the esport industry grow from the technological changes um caused by the pandemic i feel like it's kind of like i mentioned i mean everyone's had to improve their broadcasts and work on some of those technological improvements over uh, the last year or so you know getting you know, if they're used to having two broadcasters sitting in a booth, like in a live event casting, it's one thing, but now they're, you know, maybe across the country from each other trying to cast the same live event. So figuring out new ways to, to get, you know, everything on the screen at the same time and run those whole entire productions remotely has been pretty interesting. Um, but figuring out those kind of things now will just make it so much easier if something like that ever happens again, or, you know, it'll just make the live productions even better when they come back as well. Yeah, I know for sure. If, if something like this is to occur again in the near future or within the next couple of decades, uh, I think they're better, better positioned to make this pivot. And we know what to do as with other, any other industry uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But uh, one thing that I'm really interested in over the next 10 years, maybe is just the technology to, to see like how these computer parts manufacturers and, uh, gaming console manufacturers, what they're coming up with next. So uh, that, that area of gaming is of real interest to me and to see how we technologically develop over the next few years and what these games will start looking like down the line. I definitely agree with that, Lucas. Um, seeing especially what they're doing on the PC side of things uh, with graphics cards and, and, and the, the level that they're hitting with how real it looks um, is, is just crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing to see that they could actually simulate something to the level of, of real world. Um, and it, it's just, it's amazing to see, especially when you think of esports and esport competition, because it just makes that quality that much better and that much real for the fans. Um, to sort of segue from that, um, so Overactive Media, uh, they're a Canadian company, um, and they have plans of building a stadium in Toronto that can fit 7,000 people um, uh, for 2026. 
Um, Overactive Media, they represent Toronto Defiant and Toronto Ultra, um, uh, Call of Duty League teams, as well as Overwatch Leagues. Um, and uh, so with that said, uh, what do you guys think about that stadium being built? Do you think once the events start rolling out and, and like they said, they're planning on doing 200 events per year, um, once things get back to normal, do you think it will be up to the same hype as, as the other conventional sports and their live events? I think it's definitely a really smart, uh, smart plan by them. And I mean, even in addition to the esports, they've, from the sounds of it, they're building it in a way where they're going to be able to run, you know, just about anything in there. It'll be like a really big, you know, event hall in terms of like, like they said, like operas and musicals and like theater and all kinds of stuff, in addition to being able to run, you know, these top level esport events. So I think they've done a really good job future proofing it and making sure it'll be, you know, useful no matter what happens. But in terms of esports, yeah, I think it's something we'll see pop up, you know, across the world, really. And it's already starting to um, in, you know, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, New York. I know we've heard of a couple similar things being built. So um, definitely super exciting to see this coming to Canada as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, similar to Ben, I feel like it's a, a great opportunity up here in Toronto. Um, just based off the fact that the city alone has 2 million people in it. Um, and the GTA, the surrounding area around Toronto, it's closer to 6 million. Uh, and I just know just with personal friends, I have a lot of friends that aren't into the traditional sports, but when it comes to esports, that's that's their thing, that's their shtick. So I believe there's there's a strong market up here that will be into attending these events when they do come back at some point. And it's definitely a wise decision for them to invest in that. As Ben says, it's not only just going to be a place for gaming events. It could be any other entertainment or um, event that comes to town. So it's going to be uh, cool to see it grow. No, I definitely agree. And like seeing seeing like events and, and leagues like like RLCS and and the Call of Duty League and their Invitational tournaments, um, as well as even the Overwatch League. Do you guys think that uh, leagues like that and, and sort of tournaments on that that scale can potentially maybe one year compete with the the mega event tournaments that come with and competitions that come with uh, the the regular sports like like the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals? Uh, what what are your guys' thoughts on that? I feel like it depends where it is, you know, at this current point. I think in like the next five, 10 years, we'll definitely see that level across a lot of esports as it becomes even bigger in, in North America and Europe as well. Um, I mean, games like League of Legends or Dota have such a huge audience all over the world. I mean, League of Legends, I think they're like grand finals a couple of years ago in China or South Korea, one of those two, I forget which one, but I mean, they had like a massive stadium of like 100,000 people filled to the brim where... I mean, if something like that in NA, uh, I think like the Dota finals in Vancouver, they filled up the Rogers Center or the Rogers uh, Arena. I think that's kind of like the cap to where we're at at this point in esports. Maybe you could fill up like a, a NFL stadium if it was like League of Legends or something like that. But in terms of like Rocket League or Overwatch, I think, you know, they're keeping it a little bit smaller for right now. Um, but I mean, we'll see them continue to grow over the next couple of years. Yeah, that's a great point. It's hard to hard to really say if it'll ever match um, the status that the Super Bowl has just because of how like enshrined in our culture the Super Bowl has become. But you never know, like over time, like as this stuff becomes more and more, and more uh, normalized and legitimized, I could very well see like a future in which, yeah, like esports is considered as right up there with four, uh, the four major sports teams or four major sports leagues in North America. 
um, in terms of like the audience that they get. So um, there's a lot of potential there. I, I don't know if Super Bowl is uh, the ultimate goal that they should be going for, but uh, competing at like the level of one of those four major sports uh, leagues is, is definitely reachable. And it's something that I think we'll, we'll see within our lifetimes and over the next 10 years, potentially. Just hopefully like we could just keep it growing to the point where we could sort of get it maybe on a scale like that, because um, especially with the new age and the new generations being so oriented to video games and, and gaming as a whole, um, it seems like it, it's it just it's going to work out, especially with talk. Um, I know in my program at Brock, they had a lot of talks about what if esports was part of the Olympics? What if esports was part of mega events like that? How would it look and how would it sort of turn out? I was just going to say the other thing to kind of think about is, you know, if you're talking esports as a whole, there's a lot of different games kind of under that umbrella where, you know, if you're talking the Super Bowl, you know, it's the NFL finals where, so you might want to compare that more to like an individual game rather than just esports as a whole. But the other thing to think about is, you know, most of the live events we've seen for esports are like the grand finals, whether it be like RLCS finals or, you know, the League Worlds finals. Um, so yeah, they're drawing in major, you know, numbers of, uh, viewers in person and online for those final events, you know, maybe similar to the NBA finals or Super Bowl. But I think the thing that'll that'll show that esports is really on that level is if we do have the ability to go, you know, to the esports arena that uh, or the esports stadium that Overactive is building every single night and watch the Overwatch or the Overwatch team play all of their league games. And, you know, they fill up that stadium every night kind of thing rather than just for the finals. No, I definitely agree. And sort of like just with this said, um, we're like in as like to sort of wrap it up and like um, as like on a general standpoint, um, where do you guys see esports in Canada, say on a 10 to 15 year span? Um, where do you see its sort of professionalism, if it's still legitimized and, and sort of what level it will be on? I'd say at least from the collegiate side of things, I think over the next 10 years, it's going to be really big to see more schools um, you know, buying in and creating those varsity teams and competing as a whole. As well, it'll be interesting to see if the uh, governing bodies for like collegiate sports try to buy into it as well. Whether it be like the OUA in Ontario or like U Sports across Canada, try to get something started themselves. Because I mean, currently it's, you know, individual companies or, you know, volunteer programs or something like that that are running these tournaments and events um, for schools or for, you know, the students. But it'll be interesting to see if you know, the NCAA in the States, or like I mentioned, OUA or something like that in Canada, get involved. And then also um, figuring out that, you know, that pipeline of player development, whether, you know, they put limits on, you know, how old you have to be before you can play professionally. So it forces people to, you know, go play in colleges or, you know, if they keep it more open-ended and university is kind of just a side thing, uh, if they want to get an education as well as play professionally or, you know, just a B-tier thing that people who can't make it pro go play for schools or something like that so it'll be interesting to see how how that kind of evolves as well in Canada yeah for sure those are all great points but um just like from the technological standpoint of like where I see that going um I think like mobile gaming is going to become one of the bigger areas in the future just based off the fact that our phones are getting so so powerful now that like you can run like high uh High, highly intense games on your phone nowadays and like that's just going to continue to evolve down the line so I know 10 years is it's a long time in the world of esports and technology so 
it's truly hard to say like where it goes, but I think Ben like really hit on it with the, the colleges getting on board and um, actually like legitimizing the leagues and um, making it a platform for people to, to head into as a career choice rather than just being uh, a hobby that you enjoy. Well, thank you guys for sort of your insights on everything. I just wanted to thank you guys again, both Ben and Lucas, for being part of this podcast and sort of giving your perspective on esports and the esports world, especially what the pandemic and COVID-19 has done to affect it. Um, just sort of to end off, um, how could everyone reach you guys? Um, what are your socials and sort of, is there anything else you may want to sort of plug uh, as well at the end of this? If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, at Ben Bramley, uh, just my name, all one word. Um, or you can find me on, to search my name on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me there if you want to connect as well. Uh, or if you want to send me an email about anything, you can reach me at uh, bzb113 at gmail.com. Yeah, for me, I'm not on uh, Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. But if you want to reach me, um, just type my name in on LinkedIn. It's just Lucas Bruto, L-U-C-A-S-B-R-U-T-T-O. Um, but I also run a, a YouTube channel called Stadium Landings, if you want to check that out. And it's just a, a Microsoft Flight Simulator channel where I, I visit the sports stadiums and do landings at those stadiums. So, yeah, that's about it. Mm -hmm.